The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning and welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod and we're webcasting to you live from the Center for Autism and Related Disorders headquarters in Tarzana, California. Good morning and welcome. Uh, big exciting show that we've got for you today and uh, lots of things that may or may not happen. I'm going to give you a heads up. Uh, it's an interesting day in the world, right? Uh, we've got some very important guests that are going to be with us and one that we're still unsure whether we're going to be able to connect, but we're really hopeful, keeping our you know hands together and hoping that it's it's going to work out. So in any case, I, I want to let you know at the start of the show that this entire show is meant to be interactive. We want you to participate with us. We want to hear your questions, your comments, your concerns, your story ideas. Um, all of that and ever so much more. We want to know what's going on with you. Sometimes you just need a place to rant. Sometimes you just need a place to say, hey, this is what's happening. Is anybody else experiencing this? Am I alone here? Because more often than not, you're going to hear a big resounding, no, we're all in this together. And our issues might be different, right? Because everyone is different. This is not a one-size-fits-all spectrum. But we all have a basic understanding of some of the different things that, that go on, right? So uh, we want you to participate with us. Emily's going to show you some of the different ways that you can interact with us, I'll remind you that our homepage is autism-live.com. We encourage you to go there. Many things to do there, not the least of which is signing up for our free newsletter. Make sure that you do that. And also watching our live show or recently recorded shows. You can do that by, there's a computer screen. It looks like a desk. It's very cute. And if you look at the computer screen there, sometimes it just automatically plays, depends on your server, but sometimes there is a triangle and you click on the triangle and it will play either the live show or the most recently recorded live show and up in the corner there's a little playlist icon in that screen and you can click on that and cycle through and pick which show that you'd like to watch if there's something specific that you want to do to the side there are a series of white boxes that say the question that we're answering right now and then it says your question that's your opportunity to put your cursor there start typing hit enter and it shows up magically right here on our screen we love participating with you in that way it does take a couple of minutes so I invite you to ask your questions as early in a segment as possible to be able to get answers from our experts as I mentioned it's free there is no cost to you you don't give us any of your personal information you don't you love it when some Somebody says, hey, wouldn't you like to know about this? And you go, yes, I'd love to know about that. And you click the little button. It says, you're just seven steps away from that information. And you go, seven steps? Are you kidding me? And you start putting your personal information in and you hit enter. And it says, now you're just three steps away from, uh, and now we need a credit card. And all. That is not what we're talking about here. There are no steps. All you have to do is put your cursor there and type and hit enter. And it shows up here. Uh, we don't want you to be separated from the information that you want, but do ask early 
early, early and often, just like voting, right? Uh, I And I mentioned experts. We've got several different experts that we have lined up for you on the show here today, but uh, and, and that's usually the case here with us. But I always like to remind you that while we'll have experts on the show, I'm not one of them. My, uh, my shtick here is that I'm a parent. I have a beautiful son who was diagnosed with autism at the age of two and a half. He is now a whopping 11 and almost as tall as I am. Where does the time go? And my son is doing remarkably well. I am reminded on a daily basis of how remarkably well he's doing. And he's doing well, partially because, yes, I got lucky. I got really lucky. But how I got lucky was that I got really good information at a time that I really needed it. And then we were able to follow through on that because we got other good information. And I want to make you as lucky as you are entitled to be, right? And I think that's very lucky. So I want to help to hook you up with the information that you need to get the resources that you need in your life, whether you are a parent, teacher, practitioner, and wanting to make a difference in a person that you deeply care about's life, or you yourself are somebody who is on the autism spectrum. We want to help you to find the resources that you need. And that takes a lot of time because heaven only knows we all need something different, right? My, my phone is making all kinds of noise. So I just tucked it under my leg. Um, that's what I did. If you were wondering, okay, Okay, so uh, I enjoy this time with you, and I hope that you'll participate with us. That's what we're all about here. Uh, you know what I always say, si se puede, we can do this. We hold hands together, and we support each other on this journey and let each other know that we're not in this alone. And I've got a, a really important stake in that, and I hope that you do too. Okay, we like to start every morning with something we fondly refer to as the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to make sense of it. Uh, in first we give you an actual definition that the BCBAs generally approve of and then we give you a working definition which usually makes the BCBAs break out into hives and uh, that's okay we need to be able to start to understand these terms in a way that's meaningful to us and sometimes that's a little you know fuzzy around the edges okay so our our term every once in a while we cycle back to hit one that's really important to me and I know very important to a lot of you our term today is a BA. You know, I've been telling our story a lot, uh, going around speaking in different places and talking about the first time that my son was diagnosed with autism and that I didn't know much about ABA. In fact, I knew so little about it that I couldn't remember what the last letter was. And I remember saying to the developmental pediatrician, you know, she said, yep, yep, we're talking about autism. And I said, well, what can I do? And she said, well, take him home and enjoy him. Thank you. Thank you for that really spectacular advice that does nothing for anyone. Uh, and I said, well, what about that thing I, I've heard about just recently, that ABD, that ABQ, what I was talking about was ABA. And in that moment in time, I didn't know what it meant. I said it to the developmental pediatrician who was supposed to be an expert in the field of autism. She said to me, don't do it. It'll turn your child into a robot. And she was wrong. So. I do cycle back often and bring this up because it was the cornerstone in how I got my child back. It is important that you get good information about what ABA stands for. Okay, so our actual definition of ABA, ABA stands for Applied Behavior Analysis. Little clue here, for the longest time, once I knew what ABA stood for, I was walking around saying Applied Behavioral Analysis. What I didn't know is that the minute you say 
say that, then people know you don't know what you're talking about. So remember, in, and sometimes we say behavioral and sometimes we don't, depending on what the phrase is, but in this particular one, it's behavior, not behavioral. And it lets people, if you, if you get it right, then people go, okay. But if you get it wrong, people go, oh, I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, so get it right, right? Applied Behavior Analysis, ABA, is the application of the principles of learning and motivation from behavior analysis. It employs procedures and technology derived from scientifically demonstrated principles of behavior to increase socially significant behaviors and decrease unwanted or inappropriate behaviors. Okay, you know, at the heart of it, once you start reading this over and over and over again, you go, okay, it's scientifically proven and it increases some behaviors and decreases others. Okay, so let's go to our working definition and see if it's close to that. Working definition, a proven method of increasing or teaching desired behavior and reducing unwanted behavior. So what if you're looking at yourself, let's start with ourselves, right? What behaviors would we like to be doing more of uh, that would be good for us, that would lead to better things, right? And is there a way that we can make that happen? ABA says yes and gives you a roadmap that has lots of different avenues you can take to get there because it's not one size fits all. What motivates me doesn't necessarily motivate you, right? And then are there behaviors that we're doing that are getting in the way of our progress? Absolutely. And by the way, that's true of all of us, whether we're on the autism spectrum or not. There are behaviors that we're engaging in that don't help us achieve our goals, that don't help us to connect to the things that we want to connect to, right? And can we reduce those behaviors? Why, yes, we can using the principles of ABA. And the truth of the matter is, is that ABA was not invented for individuals who are on the autism spectrum it, because it's something that is universal. It'll applies to all living things. So I use ABA on my dog, <laughs> right? And you can use ABA on anything that's living. Uh, so it just so happens that because it's useful on all living things, it also is useful on individuals with autism. There were a lot of years that people didn't know that. There were a lot of years that they didn't know how successful the principles of ABA could be with individuals with autism. But we know that now for over 30 years, individuals with autism have been making tremendous strides using the principles of ABA. Um, it's a wide field. It's a growing field. And, we, and because there's so much science that shows how effective ABA is in the treatment of autism. It is now covered by most insurances. So that's why more and more people are getting it. I, I see though that there is there are a couple of problems that we're having that people don't know what quality ABA is because all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, well, ABA works. So I can throw out a shingle and say that I do ABA. Um, you know, we have to have quality ABA. Only quality ABA is shown to be effective in the treatment of autism. And we also need to, as individuals who are participating in an ABA program, we need to toe the line. We need to understand these techniques and we need to be able to implement them at all times in all settings, which means we have to get educated. That's a huge, huge big deal, but I'm seeing a lot of parents, and you know I have never met an autism parent that I don't love, right? But there are 
uh, autism parents out there that got ABA on their, you know, first day the child was diagnosed with autism. This is the dream, you guys. Their child was diagnosed and they're told, and by the way, your insurance covers ABA. We have to go through, you know, it's going to take a couple of weeks to set it up, but they didn't have to fight for it. Oh my gosh. There was a day when I was on my floor with my hands like this, praying to the God of my understanding for that day to happen. And it's here for a lot of families, not enough, but for some families. Unfortunately, those families, some of them don't know what they have. And so they're not getting as much out of it because they don't understand what their part in it is. And you know what I always say, not on my watch. We, ha we have to get informed. We have to be empowered as parents and be a part of this. This is not the best babysitting that you ever got. This is the best parent training you ever got. That was said to me before I ever started ABA and I, I didn't realize until the last couple of weeks how important that phrase being said to me, what a difference it made in our trajectory. So I'm gonna be talking about that a lot, you guys about what the role of the parent is in this intervention because it's pivotal that we be on this and not go, oh, good, there were the therapist in the other room. I don't have to worry about this. Bring me back a child who can interact with me. That's not the ticket with ABA. Parents have got to be involved. So, uh, but the good news is that it is effective. If you use the tools and you get creative with them, it is effective and you will see progress. Is the progress all the same? Can I write you a ticket and say, and this is where your child or, or your adult will end up? No, the progress is going to be different, but we know it's effective. We know there will be progress. We know that with everyone, regardless of age, regardless of ability, so for that child who has lots and lots of skills that you go, oh, I don't think they need ABA. I just don't think we're doing well enough. No, 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 no. No, that's a great child to give ABA to, maybe not in huge amounts they don't need it, but to strengthen the skills they have and shore up the ones that they don't have, absolutely. And for those individuals who are very profoundly affected by autism and don't exhibit a lot of skill uh, ability or skill acquisition, ABA is absolutely core essential. And everybody who's in between too, uh, very, uh, very effective in creating progress. Okay, so there is our, uh, our jargon for the day. Moving on to our question of the day. We always like to ask you something and have you guys answer it, hopefully on Facebook. We're gonna be checking in a little bit later on today to see what you guys wrote in. Our question today is, how do you give back to the autism community? I know that you, if you're watching this show, you're a part of our community in some way. And this is not meant to be a, so what did you do lately kind of question. It's a primer to remind yourself of all the good things that you're doing and to remind others of all the opportunities that are out there, all the different ways that we can help each other. You, I firmly believe in the laws of karma that what you put out comes back to you at least times two, at least times two. And every single parent parent that I've had the opportunity to have here on the show and talked about when they found something, you know, they helped their child and we all know helping your child is number one number one, right? But then when they were able to turn around and do something for somebody else too, it upped what they were able to do for their child. It upped, 
you know, it's that thing about love. You put love someplace and it just grows, right? So give people ideas. Tell them how you support the autism community. Um, and it will get, I want more ideas of things that I can do for the autism community. All right, we're going to check in that, on that on Facebook in a little while. We always have a topic of the week. Our topic this week goes hand in hand with that question. We're talking about really what it takes to make a difference, how we make a difference for ourselves, how we make a difference in just one day or in one hour, how we make a difference with our child, how we make a difference with our community, how we make a difference with awareness. Sometimes it's the littlest thing that we think, uh, you know, geez, that was no big deal, but it makes a huge difference. And it's important for all of us to make a difference. And it's important to, for all of our individuals who are on the autism spectrum to have that self-esteem of feeling like they're making a difference too. I see that with my very own child all the time. When he gets an opportunity to do something for someone else, he stands taller, he, you know, his chest spreads out a little bit more, and he feels like he's a part of the whole. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is something you can't buy, right? So, and, and it's really true for all of us. Making a difference makes us feel better. So if it helps other people and it helps us, we should be doing more of it, right? So give people ideas of what they can be doing. I really look forward to reading a little bit later on some of the things that you guys are doing to make a difference. Okay, and we've got quite the lineup for you this morning. Uh, some of the different things that we have going on. Lisa Ackerman is going to be joining us in just a few minutes. She is the founder of Taka, an amazing organization driven by parents to help parents and support them with resources. If you've not been to the Taka website, it's tacanow.org. You must go there. I would venture to say that it is the most comprehensive website having to do with autism. You will find more information there for free than you can on any other website you know, bar none. So you, you must check that out. I encourage you to become a member of TACA. Lisa's going to be with us today to talking about the, the bill that previously was called the Combating Autism, and now it's the Autism Cares Act. Uh, and she's got a very interesting take on it. So she's going to be with us. Then hopefully, we've got our fingers crossed, y'all. Uh, we, our plan today is to have a very special guest joining us via Skype from Panama, Alvaro. Alvarado, who is an amazing reporter, a journalist in Panama, who's really been making some waves and reporting about some of the things going on in Panama having to do with autism. Uh, may not be popular with everyone, but he certainly is popular with the autism parents. We want to salute him today. We're hoping that we're going to be able to have him join us via Skype, but we're having some technical difficulties. If we can't get him today, we'll get him another time, but keep your fingers crossed. We want to have Alvarado with us. I hope I'm saying his name even close to proper. And then a little bit later on in the show today, we've got Megan White who's going to be with us. And she is an amazing therapist who has just finished, finished her thesis on a subject that I think is going to be of interest to all of you, using literature to teach our kids, pairing literature and ABA to teach our children. Uh, it's very exciting. I know some of the difficulties that you're having throughout the day, she might have an answer for you. So uh, very, very excited to have Megan White with us. A little bit later on and of course we've got some other things coming up for you as well but it's a packed show so don't go anywhere stick with us
Hello there, fellow activist. You're an activist because you're making the world a better place for someone living with autism. Now on Autism Live, you learn all about your children. You learn about their bodies and their brains. But this empowerment moment is all about you. It's about your heart and your soul. Now don't worry, I'm not gonna have you start singing Kumbaya or doing chanting. Let's talk about blessings. One of the blessings of living with a child with autism is learning to love them unconditionally. Learning to love them despite all the ups and downs, all the sacrifices. In fact, you learn to love them more so because of them. I call this my empowerment prayer. God grant me the wisdom to see my disability as an opportunity, the courage to love my child unconditionally, and the faith to live a life of purpose. So going from the sublime to the ridiculous, I have a little song for you today. It's a rap song, so I know that an old or, okay, middle-aged white woman rapping just doesn't seem right, but I'm gonna go for it anyway. My style is a little like Nicki Minaj meets Dr. Seuss. Nancy's Autism Rap. It's just a diagnosis, your life's not over. Don't lay there like a dog, get up, Rover. You say your head is spinning with GFCF, ABA, IEPs, and neurofeedback? Autism tough, that much is true, but you'll survive because you're you. Your life's not over, it's just begun, so walk out that door and go be someone. More Dr. Seuss than Nicki Minaj. Until next time. Stay strong and keep the faith. Hey guys, welcome back to Smarty. Today we're going to be making homemade glow-in-the-dark bouncy balls. So let's get started. The materials you'll be needing are two mixing bowls, something to stir with, measuring spoons, borax, cornstarch, water, glue, and glow paint and food coloring. So step one, you're going to take one of your measuring bowls and you're going to measure out half a teaspoon of borax, four tablespoons of cornstarch, and four tablespoons of water. Then you're going to mix that all together. I'm going to set this aside. In another bowl, I'm going to mix my glue and my glow-in-the-dark paint and any food coloring I want to use to make it a special color. I have two separate bowls with the mixtures in them. Now I'm going to put them together, letting them sit for the next 15 seconds, and then I'll stir them together. It's important that you let them sit for a moment before stirring so they can do their magical thing. Now that the 15 seconds is over, I'm going to stir together the mixture, making sure to stir thoroughly until I can no longer do it anymore. You'll see what I mean in a second. Now that I can no longer stir it, I'm going to start rolling around in my hands to make a ball. And voila, very own homemade bouncy ball. Woo! Well, I hope you had fun with this activity today. Until next time, drop down, guys. Can you see me flying by your side?
Welcome back to Autism Live. Apparently, Panama is not the only one having Skype problems because Lisa Ackerman is also having Skype problems. So I don't know whether she's going to be joining us uh, <laughs> either. You know, we make a plan and it's a live show and we figure things out as we go along. So uh, while we're waiting to see whether we're going to be joined by Lisa, um, and by the way, whether we have Alvaro um, on or not, we'll, we'll be talking a little bit about uh, what he's been doing there and also will be joined by very special guests because we have a translator who's going to be here with us and he's got some exciting news about a new segment that we're going to be doing here on the show that those of you who um espanol is your uh language of preference are going to be very interested to hear what he has to say so that will be very exciting but i mentioned before we talked about aba and how important it is that we get quality aba that we understand that the people who are giving us advice understand what quality ABA is and that they are delivering quality ABA. Just wanted to go over for a couple of seconds some of the hallmarks of a truly good ABA program. The number one thing when dealing with an ABA person, and I, and I feel like we shouldn't even have to say this anymore, but I want to be clear. When someone is doing ABA, then they are going to be the number one principle in ABA that we always want to remember is that in order order for a behavior to happen, it has to get a reward of some sort, which means that if we're trying to increase some behaviors and we're trying to decrease other behaviors, what we want to constantly be doing is rewarding good behavior and not giving a reward to behavior that we don't like. Don't confuse that with punishment. Punishment is when we have something aversive happen as a result of behavior. ABA deals almost exclusively in reinforcement. So if you have heard of ABA providers who are punishing children or doing anything that is an aversive, like um, I've heard horror stories of people that are spraying kids with a water bottle and saying, oh, it's not that big of a deal, it's just water. But that's not ABA. And I want to be very clear about that. And then there are much worse things. The people, there's a school, we don't even want to talk about where, but there's a school that shocks children uh, when they engage in certain behaviors. That's not ABA. We can have big arguments about whether it's effective. Uh, I can tell you that science shows that overwhelmingly it's much more effective to give rewards for doing a behavior instead of punishing a behavior uh, or rewarding the absence of a behavior instead of punishing the behavior, right? Um, but let's be 100% clear that ABA is about reinforcement. It's not about those aversives. So if you ever have somebody who is talking about corporal punishment, they're talking about paddling your child, hitting your child, spraying your child with something, smacking their hand, that's not quality ABA. That's not even bad ABA. It just simply isn't ABA. So let's say that first, right? Uh, if anybody's talking about that, they're not doing ABA. Then let's move into somebody who's doing actually doing ABA, but what's the difference between not good ABA and quality ABA. First of all, the child has to, or the adult could be, you know, because there's no age limit on when ABA is effective. There has to be an element of enjoying it. If the rapport between the therapist and the individual is poor, we're not going to get the result that we need because if rule number one is that it has to be rewarding in some way, then 
we're not going to be effective if there isn't some sort of rapport. So it's important that, you know, which is not to say that a, uh, an individual won't ever get frustrated, that an individual won't ever have emotions when they're trying to learn something difficult, right? We see our kids and our teens and our adults get frustrated when they're trying to learn something, but that's different than being in pain. It's infinitely different than in pain. And what we see, especially with our kids on the spectrum, is that if they're not overwhelmingly thrilled, I would say a good 80 to 90% of the time in the therapy, then we're not getting quality ABA. I always talk about how my son would, you know, he would be so excited the doorbell would ring and he would run on his tippy toes until we got him to not run on his tippy toes but he would fly across the living room going pedo pedo because he was excited that it was going to be peter at the door and he was going to do therapy with him and there were times that he got frustrated with peter there were times when he got mad there were even times when he cried because he didn't want to do something because it was difficult but he was overwhelmingly excited when peter came to the door that's rapport. That's quality ABA therapy. And then one of the other things that, uh, two other things that I want to talk about with quality ABA, one is that there has to be a plan for generalization and it has to be happening on all levels and prior to teaching. So if you want a quick, quick litmus test, if you're, you have an ABA provider and you are sitting down and you're interviewing them and you say to them, okay, for instance, you know, what's your plan for teaching potty training? And they say, oh, well, you know, we do this. And you should be hearing about rewards, not about aversives. You should be hearing about what the child's going to get and what the schedule is going to be like and how often they're going to get something, not about how they're going to get punished if they soil their pants, right? Because in, in true ABA fashion, we just don't even bring that up. We, you know, the child soils their pants, we change their pants really quickly, put them back on, and we don't even mention it. There are no reproving looks. There's no discussion about it going, how many times, you know, we don't pee in our pants. No, that's not a part of ABA. Instead, we focus on having the party happen when they actually use the toilet properly. But then also in that discussion, as you're listening to them, hearing about how they reward, opposed to do use aversives or punishment, we're also listening for them talking about generalization. In that conversation, whenever you're talking about gaining a skill, they should be talking about how we're going to teach it and how we are going to make that skill global. So in the conversation, for instance, about potty training, you'll hear them talk about, well, we're going to do this, this, and this, and then we'll go take them to this toilet and we'll take them to this store. And this is how we'll, you know, change the time and we'll make sure that mom's doing it at this time and Aunt Betty's doing it at this time. That's how we get to generalization because we don't want a child just to be able to go pee pee in one potty. We want a child to be able to go to the bathroom no matter where they are, when they are, and who they're with, right? So that's what generalization is. Make sure that there is a plan for that before you, it doesn't come later. It's the very first thing that you plan. That's a hallmark of quality ABA. And then the last and probably one of the most important parts of quality ABA is that there has to be data taken to show that it's being effective. Because even quality ABA, I mentioned that it's like a tool belt, right? And you have to use it creatively. So we begin and we say, all right, we're gonna work on potty training in this way. And maybe for this individual child, that's a little bit hard. So we have to shift a little bit and say, all right, we're 
we're going to shore up here and this is how we're going to work on it. And then we have, maybe we have to shift again. We're going to find that whenever we're teaching, it's like solving a puzzle. So which tool do I want to use here? Which tool is going to be the most effective? I love that kind of thinking and there's a logic to it and I, my head just loves that. But we, we really have to be flexible in thinking about that and how can we know that it's time to shift a little bit unless we've taken data to see if what we're doing is actually working. Because maybe it's working, it's just working slowly and that will inform how we change what we do so that we can speed it up a little bit. Or maybe it's not working at all. Um, or, or maybe it's working a little bit, but we see that it's working when we do it earlier in the day, when then we have to be a little bit of a, a, a detective and think, okay, why? Why is it working earlier in the day? And how can we get this to work at five o'clock in the afternoon? What do we need to shore up for this skill? Oh, it's working because, you know, this therapist does it in this way. Okay, well, that's good information that the morning therapist does it this way, but we need for a therapist to be able to do it anyway at five o'clock and it works. So what do we have to shift? Where do we have to make it more rewarding at five o'clock so that we can get to that point? So knowing all of those things, you should be armed with uh, enough basic information to get a bead on whether you're having quality ABA therapy. And believe me, you want and need quality ABA therapy in order to make all the progress that is owed to you that you really want to make. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to check out our Skype situation, see if we're going to be able to get any of these fabulous guests that we had lined up for you actually on the show today. Stick with us. What is autism? 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 Uh, <laughs> I've been asking myself that for a very, very long time. Um, let me think about that one. <laughs> um, trying to, uh, just, uh... Um... Oh man, that's a big one. Yes. Uh, autism. Uh, autism is a neurological disorder that affects many of our kids in different ways. It's a learning disability that affects the cognitive functions of the brain. A lot of people have the misconception that it's a disability, and it's really not. I look at it as like a special gift. When one person thinks differently from another, it's an opportunity for everyone to learn to understand someone that's a little different than them. Autism is the ability to educate. They're given so much talent in different areas. To me, autism means a chance to be with and be around people you really care about. Autism is beautiful. It's a way of seeing the world differently. It's always unique, totally intelligent, and sometimes mysterious. Happiness that, that, that comes out of my um, son's um, hard work. It's a movement. Unpredictable. That's right. Awesome. Love. The field I want to work in. Laughter. Fun. Joy. Autism is beautiful to me. I want you to remember these three words. There is hope. Well, so far, Skype does not love me today. I don't know what that's about, but you know, we always say this in the autism community, you make a plan and then the universe says something else and we have to be able to go with the flow. I can't even tell you how many times as an autism parent, I had a plan for, okay, we have a nine o'clock session therapy. And then, you know, then we have to run across town because we have speech and OT. And then I have to be back here in order to do something for me. And then everything would shift. 
everything would shift and I would go, okay, I'm losing my marbles, but what do we do now, right? <laughs> it's what happens. And honestly, we have to keep a sense of humor about it. Uh, I was talking about that earlier this morning, because if we don't keep a sense of humor about it, I like to partition things into, will we talk about this in five years? Will we talk about this in five weeks? I am guilty of that. There are so many times that I can get, as we say in my family, fatutzed and all upset and in a dither about something thing that a week later, uh, not even five weeks later, a week later, I'm talking to somebody who I was talking to in that minute and they go, my gosh, how are you doing? And I go, why? Oh, right. I was upset. What was I upset about? I don't remember. So it really, if, if I can't remember a week later what it was, then it wasn't worth being that upset about, right? I'm still learning this, but I am learning it. I'm, I'm uh, a work in progress, right? So anyway, we, we make a new plan, but it's good because we just have talked about quality ABA. And I promised this morning that we would talk a little bit about the role of the parent in ABA therapy. That when on the, the first time that I really got to to sit down with a family and it was just by happenstance that uh, my job sent me to somebody's house and it just so happened that they were doing ABA therapy with their child. And it was at a time, you guys, when if you, I, you know, whatever you happen to believe for me, it was divine intervention because we were being asked to make a decision about whether we were going to do ABA. And as I mentioned earlier before, our developmental pediatrician had said to us, oh, please don't do that. And over a couple of months, I was hearing people say, I don't think you should listen to that. And I didn't know who to listen to. And so my job sent me to this home and it just happened to be the home of a child who was two years older than my son that was having intensive ABA. And I got to talk to that family. And they, honestly, you know, I, I wrote to her this week and I said, you know, it's pivotal. You talk, talk about talking about it a week later. I'm going to be talking about that when they're putting me in the ground, about how much our lives changed as a result of that conversation. Conversation. And she talked to me about ABA, but she did more than that. Both the husband and the wife sat down with me and said, here are the things that you need to know about starting an ABA program so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And one of the things that they said was make make sure that you participate in this process as if your life depended upon it, because this is the best parent training you will ever get. These are the things that everybody says, why isn't there a rule book? Why isn't there some sort of class that it can explain to us about how we deal with tantrums? And, and I'm talking about everybody, not just individuals who have kids who are on the spectrum. For all parents, how do I know what to deal with when they're a teenager? How, and they said, this is, the, this is the answer to all of those things. It's the best class you could ever want to take in terms of parenting. And that is how I went into it. And they said, regularly, your ABA team is going to need to meet with you and your child and everybody on the team. And over the years, it's going to shift a little bit because eventually you don't necessarily have the child there. But it's, they said to me, it is essential, essential that the parents are there and you have to rearrange your work and you have to rearrange your life and you have to make that happen. It's regularly scheduled. And they said, ours are on Wednesday mornings and we know, and they're every other week and we know every other Wednesday, nothing gets scheduled. There's no doctor's appointments. There is no parties. There's no travel, nothing, because this is the most important thing in our lives that we're there to figure out what the next step in deciding what happens, what tools do we want to use ABA wise that we 
have to be there. We have to be a part of it. And they laid that groundwork for me and said, they call them clinics at the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. And they said, and that is sacred. And you know, I never questioned that. I never doubted that. We just went to those clinics. And now I, I literally cried some tears over this recently, you guys. I found out that a lot of parents aren't making it to their clinics because they have work or because um, there are other children that have to be watched or, I mean, all really good excuses. But the truth of the matter is, is if your life depended upon it, you would find a solution to that, right? We always do. And that was what was said to me. And that is what I want to say to you, your life and possibly your children's lives depend on it. I don't think I'm over-exaggerating at all when I say that to you. Having been through it and done it, I, I got to ask you to trust me. You got to get to those meetings. You got to be at the clinics always. And I, honestly, my best friend was diagnosed with cancer. And at one point, her husband said to me, is there any way that you can take a couple of her chemo appointments and go with her? And they were scheduled at the exact time that my son had clinic. And I said, I cannot. Someone else will have to go. And I'm a people pleaser and that was my best friend and I wanted to be two people in that moment in time and I couldn't. So I sincerely say to you, you've got to make it your biggest priority that you're there, that you're participating in it. And it's the single best way that you're going to learn the techniques that your individual team is using. And then, of course, you got to get educated. Use IBT, use skills, get yourself educated. Talk to the therapist when you're in your home. Talk to your therapist when you're in clinic. Get on the team. I had it uh, for the longest time, and we recently took it down because we're moving into a phase of our lives when we don't uh, necessarily need these things anymore, which can I tell you how exciting that is? But for the longest time, we had uh, on our bathroom wall, it said, your team is only as good as the weakest person on your team, and I will not be the weakest person on my child's team. And every morning, I would get up, and I'd brush my teeth, and I would look at that, and I'd go, you betcha, you know what? I am not going to be the weakest person on my kid's team. I know you don't want to be that either. So get on board. I would also tell you, too, one of the other pieces of advice that those parents gave us was to be an active participant in training. Uh, each ABA provider has a way that they train people. Uh, at the Center for Autism and Related Disorders, they have a lengthy process that involves overlaps, where first the person learns the techniques, then they come in and they do overlaps with the child, where increasingly there's two therapists, one who's training, one who isn't, one who's experienced, and increasingly they give the one who's training more and more responsibility with the child. And I was told up front, make sure you participate in that because otherwise we'll run out of therapists and you won't have people to do your hours. Be the family that says, I am willing to have people trained. You will get the best therapists, right? <laughs> you will know who the best therapists are. It is totally self-serving for you to participate in that. It works to your advantage. So I encourage you to do that as well. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, hopefully we're going to be talking to Alvaro Alvarado. Uh, but if not, we have another special guest who was here to translate who'll be giving us some exciting information. So stick with us. Hi, I'm Ryan with Autism Research Group. We study ways to improve the lives of kids with autism. One of those ways is teaching safety skills, such as what to do if they get lost. We hit the streets to find out if anybody knows the correct answer on how to teach a kid what to do if they get lost. 
dick teaching a child. What to do if they get lost. Yeah, you're trying to okay. make them independent so they have the skills. Gotcha, okay. Well, give them a compass. Codename's good idea, Centurion. We always have these whistles. Um. Oh, I'd also tell the kid, I tell the kid, don't get scared. It's all, you're gonna be all right, man. This is just the world. You're, this is planet Earth. You're at home here. As long as you're on planet Earth, you're at home. As long as you're on planet Earth, you're home. This guy's a genius. With that flawless logic, he just solved our homeless problem. And as for the unique sounding whistle, although very cool, it'll probably only work if you're in close proximity. And a compass. I have her call me. Yeah, she doesn't have a phone. Parents are like, you're too young, you don't need a phone. Establish some sort of like meeting place. What if they can't find a meeting place? Because sometimes mm. the kids get nervous when they get lost. Yeah. Is like a backup plan? Well, like well, plan B? Yeah, I don't know. No, not really. Let them go and find a new kid. Or <laughs> yeah, I've got a different one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's not much you can do. There is I, stuff like, you can do. I... That's right, there is stuff you can do. In 2012, myself, along with my colleagues, Dr. Jonathan Tarbox and Dr. Adele Nadowski, published a study in the Journal of Applied Behavior Analysis on teaching kids what to do when they get lost. The study demonstrated how three simple things, rules, role playing, and praise, were effective in establishing these help-seeking behaviors. The benefit of this method is it doesn't require the child to have a cell phone or to have to locate a meeting place, which might be difficult if they're in a place like Disneyland. So once again, our method included rules, role playing, and praise. Let's head back outside and learn about some of these rules. They should yell out loud. Can't find my mom! My mom, help me! Maybe yell out and scream for help. Alright. Scream really loud. Correct. And if that doesn't work, then... I don't know. Well, they could seek help from someone. Find an adult. Yeah, go to a vendor, you know, and say I'm lost. Find an adult, like a police officer, or a fireman, or an employee in the store, and tell them, and maybe they can help you contact your parent. It really is that simple. You don't need to get your kid a cell phone. You don't need to establish a meeting place that they might not be able to find when they're lost and panicking. And you definitely don't need to give them a compass. All your kid has to do is three things. First, yell mom or dad real loud. Two, if that doesn't work, find an employee. And then third, tell the employee they're lost. If they can't locate an employee, then tell them to find a mother with children because that's probably the safest person to approach. I'm not saying that most men are predators, but most predators are men. That is a fact. I've read it in a fortune cookie. All right, so you've gone over the rules with your kid and you've quizzed them and they're able to tell you the correct responses so they understand the rules, but is that enough? How do you know they're gonna perform correctly in a real world setting? You need to get out there and find out if they can actually do it. So they'd go over the rules and tell them like, do this, do that, but how would you know if they actually knew what to do? If you wanted to shoot a basketball and I just told you, oh, when you shoot a basketball, do this, this, and this. I never, never practice. You never practice. Yeah, so it doesn't matter how many times we go over the rules or how well you can repeat them back to me, it's not going to change until you get on the court and practice. Maybe do uh, like a, you know, a little skit with them. Like a Kinda role play. Role like... play. Yeah. Your child, you're lost in the toy aisle. Okay. What do you do? I'm an attendant walking around. <laughs> I'm lost. I don't know where my mom is. And then once you practice, you just like praise them, give them feedback, like good job, you did it. Yes, this woman wins the prize for best comment. She pointed out the most important part of learning, reinforcement. Now, in our study, we used praise, but for your kid, you might have to use something else. You might have to buy them a treat, a toy, take them to their favorite restaurant where they can eat unhealthy food and run around and climb through plastic tunnels that have the unmistakable scent of urine. 
and then play games spending $20 to get a plastic little spider ring that they will eventually lose in the ball pit. The point is, you need to reward your child for correctly demonstrating what you've been teaching them. Okay, I'm gonna call her. Hello, your child, Ryan. So you tested it out I'll in the store <laughs> to make sure I knew it. I had the rules, yes. we role played it, and you made sure I knew it, and then like you said, good job, and all that. Now we're good to go. We're good to go. All right. Done? High five right there. <laughs> yeah. So there you have it. Give your child the rules, get out there and practice, and reward your child for responding correctly. For more information, please visit us online at autismresearchgroup.org. I'm Ryan Bergstrom. Thanks for watching. Yes. Ding. No. <laughs> yes, this woman wins the first. Yes, this woman. Yes, this woman wins the best. Yes, this woman wins the first place. Yes, this woman. Why can't I say what? Yes, this woman wins. What's the line? Yes. Welcome back to Autism Live. As I mentioned before, Skype is not my friend today. Usually it is, but not today. Uh, we had planned to have Alvaro Alvarado from Panama, who was gonna be joining us right now. And, uh, and then we had a backup plan that we were gonna be talking to one of the autism parents who uh, has been singing the praises of Alvaro for all that he has been doing for the families in Panama who are dealing with autism. And, and that cannot be understated, all the wonderful things that he has been doing. Unfortunately, Skype thus far is not working out. We're hoping that we can reschedule. But we had asked Juan Rondero to Ronderos, excuse yes. me, to be uh -huh. here um, to translate for us when we were going to be talking to Al Alvaro. Mm -hmm. uh, and we were very excited about having you here, Juan, to do that. And since Alvaro is not going to be able to join us, this is a perfect opportunity to introduce our audience to you and what you do for the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. So to start with, uh, you know, you here you are, you're this handsome young man <laughs> who is, is here joining us on camera. Tell the folks at home what your position is for the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. Okay, thank you, Shannon, for the introduction. <laughs> long introduction. Yeah, long introduction. Yeah. Um, I am the manager for the Spanish department, so Card Espanol. We created this Card Espanol uh, solely because we want the goal to make CARD a cultural competent uh, company so we can treat uh, kids and families that their need is Spanish-speaking therapists, you yes. know? Because we, we felt like there was a huge need, especially in California, with 50% uh, of the population speaking Spanish as their primary language, uh, yeah, to provide that service that we do so great in English, you know? So we created CARD Espanol, and, and yeah, that's our goal, to help as many kids as we can and to provide the service in their own native language, which is Spanish, for 50% of them. Which is, is a really a remarkable idea when you think about it. And, mm -hmm. and so many of you write into us from time to time and talk about when are more services going to be available in terms of having them in different languages. And more than any other language, you guys request for things to be in Spanish. Yes. More and more things are being translated into Spanish Correct. and being available. Mm -hmm. I know at some point, some of the trainings are going to be available in Spanish, but I don't know that we know what a date on that yet. We're doing well. Coming soon, we're, we're our recent, uh, most recent project is uh, how to teach your child to comply, compliance at home. Okay. We recently translated that into Spanish. I created personally. I created the video myself. 
actually the script is very uh, yeah educational video okay. and it's a great tool for parents while you know to comply with, 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 with their with their kids at home and and not only parents but everybody that has to deal yes. with with kids with autism I, I call it the Rosetta Stone of a Autism in Spanish, you yeah, know, because it's a different language, right? Autism, right. and many people don't understand it, and, and especially some of our Latino community, uh, our tradition, culturally, we think, oh, my, you know, my child is a little uh, slow or this and that, because we really don't understand what's going on. Yes. So this will help you understand what your child is going through and and, and teach him how to comply at home. And compliance and is everything. Yes. Uh, you know, I always say compliance is the best of times, worst of times, because mm -hmm. if you have it, it's the best of times, and you love your child yes. when they're compliant. And when you don't have compliance, it's the most frustrating time as a right. parent. But it's also frustrating for our kids. And knowing the secrets of how to get good compliance is everything. Yes. So uh, so that's available now, and where, where can they find it's, that? It's, it's not yet. We're okay. finishing editing. All right. It's already been recorded. Uh, like I said, it's just a matter of fact, just put it in a DVD, or it's going to be available on the IBT website that okay. we have. Is going to be available. We're working with Amazon to have it in Amazon. Wonderful. Yes, and it's going to be on DVDs in our own website, a card, you know. Wonderful. So, yes. So, the first place you can look for it, ibehavioraltraining.com. You can also look for it at Amazon.com. But we've asked Juan uh, to be here with us today to talk about, too, that he's going to be a new addition for us here at Autism Live. That yeah. he, uh, we're going to start slowly, and uh, we don't have a launch date for you yet, but uh, Juan's going to host a regular and co host to start with and then host a regular segment that will be in Spanish for our families. Yes, I'm I am so excited about that, Juan. That's just a very thrilling thing. Uh, and you've got lots of ideas for different things that you're going to feature. And I'm sure that you guys at home have ideas of things that you would yeah. like Juan to be talking mm -hmm. about. So feel free to be writing it on the live feature or you can Twitter or Facebook us or send us an old fashioned email. Mm -hmm. We don't even talk about snail mail anymore. Old fashioned <laughs> email is what we talk about. <laughs> Um, yeah, so get in contact with us, any of the ways that there are to be in contact with us, to let us know what topics you would like covered on exactly. that that new segment that, uh, and how much more fun to look at Juan than to have to look at me. I mean, let's be honest here, right? I'd rather look at Juan than to look at me. So, uh, Juan, this is very exciting. In yeah. the meantime, if people want to get a hold of you, they can get a hold of you through the show, but is there a place that you want to tell them to go if they have information that they want to share or need uh, uh, information about? Yeah, I mean, they can call our local admissions number, and, uh, which is 1-800-CARD. Is that? Uh, there's, it's 1-800-345-CARD, I okay, believe is yes. what it is. Okay, yeah. Uh, so. Okay. All right? So that's Center for Autism, but in Spanish. Right. So yeah, so if they go there, that's our whole section of our department, which is the Spanish. Again, that's our effort to make it more culturally competent. Yes. And you can click on it. I create a video. It's a seven-minute video on YouTube of the most common uh, questions asked by parents because I do conference all the time and I talk to mothers and parents that you know have all these questions. So instead of me spreading myself in all these different right. locations, I just create a video, seven-minute video, very consists of what are the most seven most questions common asked by Spanish-speaking families. Okay, so that's at Centro de Autismo. Centro para. Para autismo. autismo. Okay. Or you can go on YouTube, uh, que es autismo, if you okay. go in Spanish. 
it'll go there, we'll see Carl, you'll see my face, and it's You get me to see Juan. Yeah, I mean, for seven minutes. <laughs> seven minutes of Juan, we yeah. love it. Uh, well, Juan, I'm very excited about this. Mm -hmm. uh, this, as we know, this is a segment of our spectrum that is growing mm -hmm. and that needs support and that needs help, so we're glad that you're at the forefront there. Thank you, and thank that, you for having me. And that you'll be in contact. Now, for those of you who were all excited because uh, we had promised you Alvaro, Alvarado, we just want to give it, we will schedule another time for him to be back on the show, and we wanted to give a shout out because there's a lot that's happening in pa Panama that has to do with autism, and a lot of times it's hard to find a champion who will speak the truth about what's happening mm -hmm. and really put some pressure on some people to do the right thing. Yeah. I mean, really, that's at the crux of this. And so many families have written to us from Panama to say that uh, this gentleman has been a true champion for the autism families and shed light on some things that other people have just walked past. So we want to salute uh, Alvaro and we'll, we'll get him back when Skype works. And to the families that have been telling us, we want to thank you for giving us good information. We always want to salute somebody who is in our corner and fighting for us. And when we do have him on, we'll have Juan to translate. Perfect. As I said to Juan, I know just enough Spanish to get myself in trouble. <laughs> I'm, I'm constantly learning, and my son is learning Spanish now. Yeah. Uh, it's important. It's a beautiful language, too. All right, so we're going to take a break, and we're going to be back with more Autism Live, but we thank Juan for being with us. He's going to be leaving, but we'll have him back soon. Thank uh, you. But stick with us. Jack Riley starts his day with Jessica and AB therapy at 8 a.m. Each session he has lasts around two hours, with a total amount of therapy of 40 hours per week. This includes occupational therapy, speech therapy, and ABA therapy. What do you want to play with today? Trains. That's what okay. I thought. <laughs> Yay, there you go. There's trains and tracks. So what's an average of programs you try to get done in a session with a kid? Um, I try to incorporate a lot of things as much as I can. Like, um, for instance, if he was playing with trains, I'd incorporate functional pretend play. So that's just basically teaching him how to play with the toy appropriately, the way it's supposed to be played. Building a track and having a move and using vocalizations. Choo-choo, let's go, all aboard, things like that. Choo-choo! All right, say all aboard! All aboard! All right! Because he's so little, we're building a lot of language. It's language, language, language. All the time. So we work on banding. So having him request for things for me. Watch trees. Watch trees. We can also work on tacting, which is having him label. Like the colors, the names of the trains. That's the trees. It's Thomas. It's Thomas. Also, we can work on um, getting attention. I would withhold the preferred trains or tracks and have him tap my shoulder to get more pieces. He wants go, go. Hi, what do you want? What train? You want train. We can also work on compliance, like <clears throat> come here, give it to me, wait. Come here. So there's a lot of things I can kind of incorporate 
you know, at the same time in one sitting. And as far as his behaviors, I haven't really seen anything. Hey, sit up. Well, just now. Yeah, with his visual stereotype, his is just um, looking at things from a different angle or sideways or upside down. But he rarely engages in that except just now. What? Pickers. Huh? Hi, Suzanne. Hi, Susan. Hi. What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm filming you. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. Can you say hi? Hi. Hi, everybody. Say hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Who is that? Jack. Jack? Jack who? Jack Riley. Where's your nose? Where's your ears? Where's your eyes? Where's your chin? Ooh. Where's your teeth? and Jack Riley are continuing to work on categories. Give me vehicle. Give me vehicle. Oh, sorry. Thanks. Give me a vehicle. Nice. What's a fire truck? Fire truck. What is that? Vehicle. It's a vehicle. Cool. Give me clothes. Good job. What's a dress? Clothes. Clothes. Nice. Here you go. Here's your sticker. Welcome back to Autism Live. That was, of course, The A Word, an ongoing documentary being made by the Center for Autism and Related Disorders following a little boy, Jack Riley, who was diagnosed with autism at the age of two. And we get to see uh, a look into one family going through this intensive early behavioral intervention to see what it's like. You see the arc of ABA and how we teach a child something and how it changes over time and how uh, one small skill can affect so many other skills. <laughs> 
We get to see what the emotional toll is on the family because this is not easy. This is life-changing, and I like to think of it as being miraculous, but it's not easy, right? <laughs> and it does have its toll. Having a whole bunch of people coming into the home and working with your child can be something that's exhausting, even though it's wonderful. Uh, so I encourage you to watch this series and to check it out on their very own YouTube page. You can be, you can to start in the middle, you can start at the beginning, you can start at the end and work your way backwards. And they're all really effective ways of looking at the tools of ABA. Uh, I, I think it's great this particular episode where they're talking about using play as a way of learning, that there are so many different ways in which we can teach. I'm a former teacher, so I'm going to ask you to do something for me right now. I want you to think back to when you were in grade school or junior high or high school and think of what was the most fun project or thing that you worked on when you were in school. So take a moment and just think about, okay, what, like think of all the memories that you have and think, okay, what was the most fun thing? Uh, what did you do that was just so exciting? And so here's irony for me is that both of the memories that I can think of are from when I was in junior high and taking Spanish in junior high. And in both cases, I had a teacher, and they were two different teachers, but they were teachers who really understood how to make things fun. And I think of one, uh, one teacher when I was in seventh grade Spanish who decided to do plays um, with each one of her classes that were based, um, the, everything would be in Spanish. So for one class, she did The Wizard of Oz, and they did the entire The Wizard of Oz in Spanish. Uh, translated all of the songs and did them all in Spanish. Uh, my class did not get to be the lucky class to do The Wizard of Oz, but we did sort of a musical review, and I can still remember the words to the song that I had to sing, and will frequently, I'm not going to share here because I promise that I'll never sing on the show, but uh, we'll frequently be in the car, and all of a sudden I will bust into song to sing this song and remember all the words from it. Uh, I remember all all the different things that we learned from that period of time and it is cemented in my memory because it was so much fun and then two years later every year in my junior high and high school they would have um, an international studies night and every single class that had anything to do with language or anything international had a booth and it was it'd be this event and you had to do some sort of a presentation so that's what those performances have been for and then uh, a couple of years later, my my class, my Spanish class, decided to do our booth around the Spanish Inquisition. And so it was like a haunted house that you had to go through, and it showed all these different things. from. The, and I can remember facts about the Spanish Inquisition that I have no business remembering. I can't frequently remember what six times four is, but I can remember things about the Spanish Inquisition. Now, why is that? Because I was having fun because I was enjoying myself, because the learning was embedded in something that was fun for me. This is a lesson that we always need to remember with ABA. What did I say a little bit earlier? Principle number one is that it has to be rewarding for that behavior to continue. And if the behavior is learning and we want to get the biggest investment, then it has, there has to be an element of fun. There's got to be something that's personally rewarding. We need to be doing this with our kids. It's one of the things that bothers me the most 
boast about so much of what's out there on YouTube that shows ABA shows the really dry DTT, which yes, that's an important part of learning a new skill. But what they don't show a lot of times is how they take what they you know, they demonstrated how to do it in DTT, the child got a handle on it, and then they took it and made it fun, and that's when the skill became the child's. So I, I really just want to remind all of us to use play and to be inventive with how we learn, which dovetails really well into our next guest. Megan White is with us, and uh, we're going to take a break and ha bring her in, and she's going to be talking to us about pieces of the puzzle, socially instructional lessons based in ABA psychology for children with autism and what that boils down to is that we're going to be able to take the principles of ABA and pair that together with something that we frequently refer to as social stories um, and and we all have heard about social stories and how effective that they can be but this is like taking social stories and putting them on steroids because we're power packing them with ABA it's really remarkable it's a great new idea and Megan has put this together in a way that I think you're going to be really, really excited. So stick with us, Megan White, after these messages. Skills is an online program that provides assessment, curriculum, positive behavior support planning for challenging behavior, and progress tracking, and it does this all in one place. The skills assessment and curriculum addresses eight areas of development, which even includes advanced higher level areas such as executive functions and cognition, which pretty much makes skills the only ABA-based set of curricula for teaching more complex skills, things like problem solving, planning, self-management, perspective taking, and even inferring and predicting others' private events. Skills is a four-step system. Step one is to add the child to your account. Step two is to start assessment. The skills assessment is the only ABA-based assessment with psychometric research demonstrating the language subscale to have excellent reliability. Every area of human functioning and typical child development from infancy to adolescence was researched, making the skills assessment the most comprehensive of its kind in the world, and we're quite proud of that. Skills is easy to use. Simply click Start Assessment and begin answering questions, or simply type in a keyword find specific activities to assess, and add activities to treatment. Step 3. Choose activities. Once you've completed the assessment, Skills selects from a pool of 4,000 activities categorized by age, level, and skill type to provide you with exactly those activities each child needs. Start by choosing a curriculum, then a lesson, and finally an activity. Click the information icon to view prerequisites, ages in which targets develop, examples, and IEP goals. Click the video icon to watch a short video. Once you've identified an activity you want to teach, adding activities to treatment is a snap. Step 4. Start treatment. Here you can access customizable activity lesson details, add your own customized targets and exemplars, and edit an activity status such as introducing or mastering it. You can even print handouts such as worksheets, tracking forms, visual aids, and other materials. Skills also offers multiple progress charts, mapping curriculum progress, lesson progress, and cumulative number of activities and targets mastered over time. The Skills Language Curriculum is categorized by verbal behavior type so that users can identify progress for verbal operants, such as echoics, mans, 
tax, and interverbals. Skills is one of the only programs that provides the ability to write behavior intervention plans, or BIPs, for challenging behavior. With just a few clicks, the outline of the behavior intervention plan is written for you and ready to be printed and implemented. You can learn more about Skills today and get started by visiting us at www.skillsforautism.com or you can call us at 877-975-4559. Skills, progress starts here. Welcome back to Autism Live. So thrilled that this morning we have here with us in the studio, Megan White. Megan, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Well, and Megan, you are somebody who's worked extensively with children on the autism spectrum. Yes. And you just recently completed your thesis. It's a mouthful. Pieces <laughs> of the puzzle, socially instructional lessons based in ABA psychology for children with autism. That's the one. It's uh, quite a mouthful, but at the heart of it, it's something that we're all interested in knowing more about because you're taking literature and mm -hmm. using the principles of ABA to teach which yes. is just very exciting yes. so we got to start a little bit with talking about how this came to be sure. and referencing maybe um, the whole because we've all heard of social stories yes. okay so social stories were started uh, the, the concept of it the branding of it started by Carol Carol Gray Carol Gray so mm -hmm. we have to give kudos to Carol uh, it's a wonderful idea using a story to teach Mm -hmm. Carol has done a great job of branding that. We Absolutely. have to we have to mention that, you know, social yes. the idea of social stories yes. and teaching has been around since Homer. <laughs> uh, but Carol has done a wonderful job of branding the, the the concept, the idea of a social story, and she's done a remarkable job. But you've taken it further, Megan. Yes. Tell us what tell us what you've done. Um, so I have been working with CARD as a therapist uh, for almost two years now and I had a client around the same time that I was taking a children's literature class in my graduate school and um, my client at the time needed a social story and I didn't find um, the describing the situation in general as all that helpful for her but it was more the behaviors that were going on that were causing disruptions in the situation um, so I was at a little bit of um, a conundrum because I, I was instructed to write a social story but I didn't feel that it was going to be as helpful and through that experience and my children's literature class I kind of came up with the idea of doing like an ABA style social story um, and I, um, I found that, that that was really helpful in the implementation of correcting her behavior to something that it's more uh, socially acceptable um, and so I was really excited by that and it inspired me to kind of continue and thus came my thesis so and really remarkable because <laughs> you went I feel a, a step above and beyond because you've written a bunch of these yes. ABA based educational stories to cover a plethora of different things that could be going on mm -hmm. so many of the things that we as parents deal with uh, things like uh, being able to uh, put things away, yes. uh, taking a uh, taking a breather before doing homework, starting homework, breaks during homework, rewarding yourself for a job done, finishing schoolwork, preparing for the day, even things that are practical like waking up. Right. Yes. One of, one of the first ones in there that I just absolutely love has to do with a kid who's crabby in the morning <laughs> when he <laughs> wakes up, and you've got a social story that addresses all of those things. That takes you know what I love about it, Megan. It shows perspective taking it gives the the kid an opportunity Absolutely. to feel what they're feeling yes 
but to understand what mom is feeling when mm -hmm. she comes to the door and says, get up, that she's not a criminal. Absolutely, yes. And that's one of the biggest things that I want to do um, with these stories is give the child a chance to step away from themselves and reflect um, objectively on the situation. And that can be difficult sometimes uh, for somebody with autism to generalize those feelings and take somebody else's perspective. But I'm really hoping that these stories can be um, a really positive tool in shedding light on the perspective and really helping um, for them to be able to see, you know, the, the replacement behaviors as more positive. And it's done in such a seamless way that you can read the story and, and you've got the, the questions that go with it yes. to talk through with the individual yes. so that they're learning from it. Yes. There's, it really is all there for you. And, and you have this wonderful teaching moment. So we're going to talk about this some more and we're going to give you some examples of what Megan has written because trust me, you're all going to want this. <laughs> um, so stick with us. We're going to take a break and be right back after these messages. The Institute for Behavioral Training provides courses in applied behavior analysis for the treatment of autism. Access IBTE learning videos on the move and learn at your own pace. I'm going to talk a little bit about intensity. IBTE learning makes any location your classroom on the go. So our objectives for today are to really learn what is autism and how is it diagnosed. Get professional guidance with IBT face-to-face -face training. IBT face-to-face -face training courses prepare you to effectively implement ABA-based interventions. Choose between small group and one-to-one -one instruction. Earn BCBA supervision hours via one-to-one -one video conferencing. So I had a chance to review your BIP today. You know what? It looked really good. You did a good job with it. IBT, continuing education courses. Earn credit through webinars, conferences, article reviews, and e-learning videos. You can learn more at ibehavioraltraining.com. IBT, 360 degrees of ABA training. Welcome back to Autism Live. Our very special guest in the studio with us right now is Megan White. She has extensive experience working with children on the autism spectrum as a therapist. She's just completed her thesis, which is Pieces of the Puzzle Socially Instructional Lessons Based in ABA Psychology for Children with Autism. And as a part of that thesis has written a series of books, which I believe you're calling Pieces of the Puzzle. Yes. And uh, there are a, a series of short, little books that teach using the principles of ABA, which we know are just wildly effective with our individuals who are on the spectrum. And these are clever. <laughs> uh, these are just so clever and really get to the heart of, you know, our day as parents, sometimes we just have something that yes. isn't working out. Yes. There are moments when, you know, where you're trying to get your child up, you're trying to get them ready for school. Mm -hmm. And it's those little moments that we need so much help yes. with. And this is exactly what Megan's stories do. So you had an example of yes. one of the stories that you wanted to share with us. I do. Which one is it? Um, so this one is called um, Following Your Teacher's Rules, and it's specifically about um, raising your hand. Um, 
And just one thing I wanted to mention, as a therapist, you know, we're only there for like a couple hours a day, and so it's really easy for us to go in and be powerhouses and be like, okay, this is how we do it, and to be on the kids, and to always be reinforcing the right behaviors, and to be providing the correct consequences for the wrong ones, and it's always, you know, okay, and then we leave, and then we hope that everyone else is implementing, you know, these things after we go, because it's, you know, obviously a team effort, and so I'm really hoping that um, these kinds of stories will help when we leave, still provide that kind of like support and stuff, so. Wonderful I'm hoping point. that this situation is something that maybe um, would be helpful for like a teacher um, and just also the student. Um, so this story is about um, just a boy named Jack and he has um, trouble talking out of turn in class which is a problem that a lot of students have not necessarily <laughs> with autism um, but it just talks about the importance of raising your hand um, and so it goes through an example I won't read the whole story to you but it goes through an example of you know, when you don't raise your hand, what happens? And the consequence that is provided by the teacher afterwards, which is very undesirable. And then it goes through and it demonstrates how raising your hand is more beneficial for not only the student, but the classroom as a whole. And then at the end of the story, um, there's a little re review and reflection um, where the student can then really make sure that they understand the main points of the story and reflect on why the replacement behavior is more effective in the long run. Um, so that hopefully that behavior continues in the future. And you know what's really lovely about this, Megan, <clears throat> is that you're taking the, the issues that we're all having to deal with that sometimes gum up everything. Yes. Because we talk about, oh, I want my child to be, you know, socially savvy and to have friends and all those things and be able to learn effectively. And I want my child's teacher to love him. Yes. Well, that's great. Yeah. And we want to work on all those things. But the truth of the matter is, if the child is constantly raising his hand, the, the teacher's going to get frustrated because mm -hmm. the teacher as a person mm -hmm. uh, and the other children are going to start to get annoyed and go why do you do that mm -hmm. and it's going to make it harder when they get on the playground for the child to connect because this missing puzzle piece <laughs> yes, right it exactly. all comes back together pieces of the puzzle so and and the fact that as you were saying you know for parents when you guys leave we want to be a part of the whole Absolutely. too we want to be furthering things but sometimes we just don't know what to do yes and what i love about these stories is they're short it's not like you're committing an hour of your time. No, absolutely It's not. short. You can read through it, and then it gives you the talking points to go through. Mm -hmm. And they're they're really clever and well-written oh, and, and adorable. Everybody is going to want one of these. I want a set of these books. So, Megan, <laughs> talk to us about how are people going to be able to get a, a set of these pieces of the puzzle. Um, currently, I am working on different publishers, um, different publications that I can hopefully um, utilized to help get the stories out there. I would really love for them to be in homes, libraries, uh, public libraries, school libraries, um, you know, different organizations such as CARD um, that we can use and implement in therapy or just that, you know, parents can have even at home when they're having a hard time, you know, like, okay, Jack, let's go back to the to the couch, let's sit down, let's read this together, let's go through this and let's talk about why you need to do it this way versus this way. Yes. Um, you know, for all those moments when we're not there, all those moments when, you know, the parent wishes they could call the therapist and be like, oh gosh, Meg, you know, I'm just, I know we worked on this today, but I'm having a really hard time. So I'd really like it to be, um, 
published, that way I can have it um, really being utilized by the people who need it the most, which are the families and the and the clients. I I think this is a wonderful idea, and I, and I I can I want the series, and I know so many other parents uh, when we've been talking about this have been saying how important this is. Again, because it's not just that it is a story about something, but it utilizes the principles of the ABA to yes. get that lesson firmly in the child's head. Yes. I, you know, we've all been in a circumstance where we've asked a child to do something, asked them to do something, asked them to do something, but if they don't really understand the consequences, right. and if they don't understand, and if we don't understand what's happening beforehand, right. we're not going to be effective. Absolutely. And, um, you know, these stories, um, one of Carol Gray's um, biggest um, points is that each story be tailored directly to the child. Um, and while I absolutely agree, and I think that that's important, I think um, generalizing these skills is just as important as being specific. And so I think that these stories are a good way to help do that um, and to help, you know, students and clients learn how to like generalize these skills and listening and understanding that there are consequences, good consequences, when you do things uh, in a socially appropriate way. I think this is a remarkable tool. I think you have hit a home run with this. This is absolutely wonderful. So we can't wait. Keep us posted. Absolutely. I'm sure that there's a publisher out there who just uh, is can't wait to get these two. I, I picture them on Amazon.com. <laughs> That's what I'm visualizing. Yes. And we'll keep people posted about when and how you can get them pieces of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. Stories that teach our kids using the principles of ABA. Megan, thank you so much for all your work. Thank you for having me. All right. We're going to take a break and be back with more of Autism Live after these messages. When you find out you're having a boy, you always think like, oh, he's going to play football, he's going to do this and that. And then when he's diagnosed, all those things get washed away. It's like that piece that's always in the back of your mind, you know, where is he, what is he doing, is he safe? We really didn't know what we were dealing with. I wish that they could have directed me a little bit more and provided me some information. I was a young mom. I didn't know what it was like to raise a boy despite a boy with autism. Hundreds of thousands of families are not getting the help they need for their children with autism all around the country. ACT Today is determined to bridge the gap. These families really have to go through a lot to get a grant. The application process isn't easy. The records, the diagnosis proof, they're really battling for their kids. So when we can give them a grant, it is so wonderful to see that they succeed in getting that help for their children. Our founder, Dr. Doreen Grandpichet, is an amazing woman, and she is one of the world's foremost authority on behavior of children with autism. She's extremely knowledgeable, and she oversees every single grant we give. She is part of that process. People may think of autism care and treatment as simply schooling or therapy, but you know, we provide important safety supports, things like fencing, for example. The whole family's living in fear of that child running out into traffic. I recently delivered an iPad to a little boy with some of the apps that are out there for children with autism. Miracles happen. I got the iPad from ACT. From ACT, What yeah. did it say? Can you repeat that, Dustin? I got the iPad from that. We have helped so many military families. And when I think of these brave families that are fighting two battles, one to protect our country and one for the right treatment and care for their children, it, it breaks my heart. And I think we have to do more as a nation to help them. 
There's not a day that doesn't go by that we don't think about it. Some people say, oh, he's normal. You don't see the battles that I see every single day. My husband does have to deploy, and when they get on that bus, that might be the last time that my kids ever see them. So I called, and then they informed me that he had received the grant, which was like a blessing from above. I was just like speechless. I just started to cry because, you know, without it, we would, we would have been lost. The AT grant was a total miracle. Without that, they wouldn't be able to receive a service dog. So we're so appreciative what they've done for us as a family. Recently, Act Today funded a program for military children with autism in San Diego, the Inclusion Films program, which is run by Joey Travolta, and teaches uh, kids on the autism spectrum literal filmmaking skills. They learn how to make a movie. Are we ready? There you go, got it. Okay. Everything that goes into the process of making a film goes into everyday life. So they're learning life skills, they're learning to collaborate. It was really nice to know how much they were enjoying this camp and they're with people who are supporting them and are making them feel great about themselves and their differences and their similarities. And I get two kids that are working together and apart and together and apart, so it's an interrelationship as well as a camp and a learning experience. It's so fulfilling when I get letters. One stands out for me, a, a boy who was 14 with Asperger's, and we gave him a grant to go to a drama camp. He wrote to us and said, Dear Act Today, thank you for letting me belong for the first time in my life. These kids are remarkable. You know, we underestimate them. They're so knowledgeable, they're so capable, and we can change the life of a family, which means changing the life of a community. Welcome back to Autism Live. Wanted to address a couple of questions that you guys and comments that you guys have sent in. Somebody said regarding clinics and meeting up every other week during this ABA process that we are currently in with CARD, I'll admit, I thought, how am I going to do this? Uh, but I had to make it happen. You're so right, and I'm so glad I made an effort to be there. It's not easy because I let work take because I can let work take over. But my kid is my priority, and they know that and happy to accommodate. I love that tagline. I will not be the weakest person on my kid's team. I'm going to use that. Thanks so much for the constant motivation. And of course, uh, that parent is referring to earlier, I was saying that, you know, in every quality ABA program, there has to be a time, and it's it's written into the insurance laws, that there has to be a time when the team meets. We can't ever arrive at a destination unless we check to see where we are. Even when a plane leaves from Los Angeles to fly to New York City, the pilot puts in the coordinates of where they're going, but they have regular intervals where they have to check and, and make course corrections because of wind and, and other, you know, things going on that are above my you know, understanding, right? Because I'm not a pilot. But they have to keep making course corrections, otherwise they could end up in Florida, right? It's the same thing in all the things that we do in life. If we really want to be effective in accomplishing anything that we want to do, we have to stop and check, is this working? And then make little, minute course corrections, which 
which make all the difference. And that is really a hallmark of ABA. Now, how do we do this when it's a team of people working together? Well, I mean, people have tried it lots of different ways, but the accepted method that seems to be the most effective is that at, uh, at least once a month, if not twice a month, the whole team needs to get together and be in one place and work with the child as a team of people. That's really how it should go. The child should be there, especially if it's a younger child. Now, when a child is older and there are things that we're discussing about the child, that it may be better in some cases for the child to not be there for part of it, right? Um, because when we're trying to get them to do things, we don't always want them to know what we're doing uh, or it might just be boring for them. But with a small child, I can't imagine a circumstance in which it isn't important for them to be there for a large part of the clinic because how the clinic is going to be used is that we're going to say, hey, let's run a program. We're working right now on getting attention. So the, the person who is the... Um, the leader of the team, the case supervisor, will say, hey, um, you know, Peter, will you run this program? So now we have an opportunity for the parents to be watching and see how P Peter runs the program, what the actual program is, what phase we're working on it. The supervisor's watching to see how Peter's doing it. All the other members, the therapists um, are sitting there. They're watching Peter doing it. We're all learning. And sometimes, you know, the therapist, now, not Peter, I'm thinking about Peter. He would always do it right. But sometimes the therapist won't do it exactly the most effective way, which is when the case supervisor will correct on the spot and say, hey, try saying this. It's not, um, you know, a punishment or calling anybody out, but saying, hey, here's an effective way that I've learned to do it. Now, the, the case supervisor, if they're not there seeing it, um, they might miss one small, minute little detail. You know what I always say about us parents? We can't have eyes in the back of our head. Sometimes we don't know, oh, you're making a little face when you do that. Say, same thing with therapists. They're people, right? This is about behavior. So having that group there to work on things, it bumps your game up every time. And then the case supervisor says, oh my gosh, you know, we're at this point with this. So we, we're going to add a new program and demos it for everybody who's on the team so that every, and you know, as a parent, that's what it's supposed to look like. So when you go home, if one of the therapists isn't doing it right, then you have an opportunity to say to the therapist or the case supervisor, I think I, what I remember is that we're supposed to do it this way. It's a collaboration. It's a team. It's so important that the parents are there. So I salute this parent. Um, you know, I'm, I'm right there with you that it, it's just, it, I was saying earlier, it's it's a matter of life and death that, that a parent be there, that a parent participate in that process. Um, you know, it's hard. I used to always say in my clinics, it's really hard to parent by committee. It is. But if that's what it takes to be effective in a period of time, you get it back later on. And the truth is, is that the people who were on that committee parenting with me knew more about what my child needed than I did in that moment. Uh, so, but it's important that you participate. So, so important. So I salute you. It's hard with work, but we all know that work can't discriminate against you because your child has autism. And if you need to be there, it's medically necessary. Work has to make some sort of an accommodation. Will it mean you've got to make up the time someplace else? Yes. Does it mean that you've got to be the best 
best possible employee so that the they want to keep you around for sure right and is all that stressful it is it's nowhere near as stressful as of sitting there at the end of everything and saying why didn't I do that work to be able to help my child it just isn't I know that it isn't so I salute you for getting it done and I appreciate so much you saying that in the beginning you thought you couldn't do it because I know I thought I couldn't do it either I really if you would ask me uh, I mean I used to say to people I I well I didn't say it until we were far enough along but I admitted later on that I used to fantasize about being put in a coma so that I would wake up and all the hard work would be done I'm just being honest because I thought oh man I don't know if I have what it takes I really don't and I can tell you that I look back on it and go oh I wished I'd tried this much harder on this I wished I'd done that right I can armchair quarterback it but I'm proud of us as a family that we accomplished as much as we did and that we hung in and that I didn't go into a coma. Yes, there were times when I ate my feelings. I will admit to that. But you know what? We're here. We're working on that. Okay. Uh, another question that we had from a parent that sends a chill down my spine. Uh, Okay, it's a, it's a total of th three questions. One that's repeated, uh, what to do when the principal is bullying your child? What do you do? And then the secondary follow-up is, what do you do when the principal bullies the parent because the parent is protecting the child? Okay, lots of questions that I have there for you because I want to be really clear about when we use the term bully. Okay, um, because it's a word that's get, that gets thrown around a lot, and I just want to be clear about what you mean. Because there's somebody being tough on somebody, there's somebody picking on somebody, there's bullying, and then there's handicap harassment, and it's like an escalating thing. And uh, bullying is not allowed legally, and handicap harassment is actionable, uh, right? And, and I will I'll be honest with you that if you look at what the criteria for the different things are, um, and if you see that you have a case of handicap harassment, then it's time to start dropping that term because that will send shivers down other people's spines. So let's talk a little bit about, um, I don't know what you mean by the principal bullying the parent, and I don't know what you mean by the principal bullying the child. Um, but... Um, if, if you're still watching, because I know you wrote the first question in during the first hour, if you're still watching, write and give me some more information. But here's some basics. Um, that people will try to pressure you to do something. People will try to manipulate you into doing something. Um, depending on the circumstances, manipulation can be bullying, but it isn't always bullying. But when somebody's trying to manipulate you, I love, uh, I think this was Maya Angelou who said on Oprah, she said, when you tell somebody what you want, and then they start telling you to do something else after you've told them what, what you want, that's manipulation. That's what that is called. And we don't have to tolerate it ever. Um, but there are some things that we need to do to protect ourselves and protect our kids from being manipulated. Um, you have recourse always. You can uh, report the, the person. And when somebody's manipulated, usually I say take it up with the person first. But when somebody's 
trying to manipulate you, they're not always the best person to take it up with. Take it up with somebody over their head and be swift and decisive about it. Um, that you can absolutely place a complaint against your principal. Make sure that you uh, keep any documentation that you have, um, any emails, uh, you know, have somebody else tape record if you're in a hallway um, and there's a discussion that's happening. You won't be able to use it in a court of law, but you can go to your school district and say, this is not acceptable, right? Um, don't put up with, I will, I will be honest with you, as a former teacher, I think there are a lot of the vast majority of principals who mean well and want to be effective for our kids, but there are people out there who should not be principals, and if they are bullying you or your child or punishing you because you're trying to protect your child and advocate for your child, deal with it. Deal with it swiftly, complain, and complain loudly. And I would start with, uh, you know, documenting and getting a letter off to the district saying, you know, this will not be tolerated. Uh, I, I want to see action and have a meeting or I'm going to get legal support. And by the way, our government has a page, if you're in the United States, they have a page that deals with education and with bullying that includes staff. Um, and uh, it's, uh, I think it's, uh, oh, I'll try to find it. But uh, it's the .ed dot gov. Uh, but what comes before that, I don't know. So I'll try to see if I can find that. But, um, and it's also a thing where uh, we were just talking earlier about how effective reporters are sometimes when dealing with these kinds of things, because schools don't like bad publicity. And so sometimes it's a phone call to a reporter or a friend of someone, you know, who knows a reporter to say, Hey, are you aware that this is going on? Even the threat of that. And sometimes schools will get it together. Uh, it may just be that it's a principal who thinks that they're, you know, doing tough love with your kid. But, you know, if it's not working for you and it's not working for your kid, deal with it swiftly. Complain. Uh, find a way to complain. And then write me back and let me know particulars if you can uh, and if you need support. We're going to take a break and be right back after these messages. When Maddie was diagnosed, I'll be honest, I was very ignorant on what autism was. I knew that autism was basically something that hit boys at the age of two to three and shut down. And sometimes you think of the typical Rain Man uh, movie. Um, and with Maddie, she was doing all the same signs and symptoms of a, of a typical child with autism spectrum disorder. Stand up. didn't even acknowledge us coming into the room. Um, she had barely any eye contact. Um, she didn't interact with her sister. She didn't really do anything. She just basically lined up her toys and that was about it. We have a team of seven volunteers, or, or eight now, eight volunteers, including my husband and I, and I'm the team leader, and so I do all the curriculum and get everything ready each week. Jana was downstairs until 11 o'clock at night working on curriculum, going through two different textbooks. And then we, as a group, meet on Monday nights, and we would go through what the curriculum was from Jana. And a lot of times we would go, how exactly do you do that? How do you sit her at the table and, and do this trial base? Well, what skills has done for us, it's, it's taken that away from Jana trying to figure out the curriculum for one, 
she can go down, or on our, even on our laptop, and she can sit down and through all these questions, it comes up with the different programs. At least for me, it was a relief off my shoulders. I was worried that I might be missing something, um, missing a curriculum that maybe she needs to know, where skills, they have every, every possible thing your child needs to know from zero to seven. They have a program for that. What noise is this? Every program that we did with her, I knew it was specific for what she needed to learn. Because before skills, it was a lot of, okay, well, is that really age appropriate for a two-year-old? You know, because it's not generalized. It's anywhere from zero to seven. This is what your child needs to know in most, in most manuals you'll find. Um, but for this, okay, yep, yeah, she should be learning this. And no, she's not four yet. She doesn't need to know that yet. We are so fortunate that Jana was able to attend a conference put on by CARD that opened the door for skills and that um, there's no looking back for us. We started using the program in November and it seemed like by January something just clicked and she has completely kind of came out of her fog that she was in for quite a while. I have never read a documented case on any child that has not benefited anything from applied behavior analysis and uh, now with this new skills and being you know like the e version of ABA I can't imagine that it doing anything harmful to their child it, it's nothing but exponential growth for us to see her now it is it just blows us away when we call her our little miracle child because um, in seven months time she has just blossomed into this normal functioning child and suddenly we joke about it all the time like suddenly we have twins if you're even thinking about doing it do it because the absolute worst thing you can do is do nothing at all and even if you use this program and it's just a single mom or a single dad working in the evenings with their child this program is going to benefit them it's it's going to show you where they are it's going to show you where they need to go and it's going to show you what skills and how to get there it is an online book on how to help recover your child. Welcome back to Autism Live. We asked you guys earlier to write in to our question of the day, which was, what do you do to give back to the autism community? We had a couple of different answers that came in, although I would love to get a lot more of you writing in. And remember that what we said was, this is not a, what have you done for us lately kind of thing. This is a share what you do to give those the rest of us an idea. So somebody wrote in and said, I organize a social group for autistic adults, and I try to spread in, uh, uh, spread awareness about autism by contacting the media during Autism Awareness Month. When I get attention from the media, that usually leads to my being contacted by autistic people and parents of autistic kids looking for support and information. So then I refer them to the various autism organizations in town. I also have become a mentor slash big sister slash advocate for a couple of younger autistic women who come to me for advice or to vent or for a shoulder to cry on. Now see, this is why 
why this is so good is that I never really thought about it before, but being a big brother or a big sister to an individual who is on the spectrum and just be a sounding board for them. Uh, there's a young man that I, I frequently talk to, and we were recently talking about this, and he's not in my area, but about how important it is for him to find someone that he can bounce things off of. And, and honestly, when I think about it, um, you know, big brothers and big sisters are so important. Um, it's, it's important. We were just talking about these, this idea of these stories that, that kind of give that perspective. Um, sometimes a big brother, big sister can give a perspective that a parent just can't do. If you're having a teenager and having a problem with a teenager and the teenager looks at you and is like, what are you talking about? Uh, my husband and I just watched again, uh, that movie, this is for, and there's the wonderful moment where they explain to their teenage daughter that they're not going to have any more, there's going to be like a half an hour of screen time uh, a day and that there's not going to be any more computers or iPads or iPhones or anything. And the daughter is like, what are you talking about? Have you lost your mind? And she's like, how am I going to connect with my friends? What am I going to do? And the mom's like, well, you're just going to play. You can play in the backyard. She's like, play in the backyard? Have you lost your mind? And the mom says, you can build a fort. And the look on the actress's face, the girl who's playing the teenager, is like, build a fort? What? What on? Oh, we laughed until we practically wept the other day watching that. Um, you know, but sometimes you need to have an intermediary because we're talking in terms that are outdated, like build a fort. Uh, sometimes you need to have, and so they look at us and think that we are lunatics, that we've completely lost our minds and we're completely out of touch. And having somebody who's a little bit older, who understands our point of view, but understands their point of view to be that intermediary who can say, look, here's the deal. Your mom doesn't know what she's talking about with the fort, but you can't spend your whole life on the phone, that there are ways to get together with people that isn't just through text. Yes, you know, it's a big deal, but your mom wants to see that you can do other things, can smooth something over and have it become a non, uh, you know, no, no brainer, no big deal instead of it being an ongoing tantrum. Right. So I love this idea and I'd never considered it before, but, um, I would love to be a big sister to, uh, a young woman who's on the spectrum and, and potentially be helpful with some things. I obviously, I can't be helpful with all things cause I'm so out of touch. <laughs> That's my son tells me on a regular basis. Uh, I remember when my uh, my twin nieces were teenagers, and it was in the 90s, and the thing that would cut me to the quick is that my one niece, I would say something, and she would go, oh, Aunt Shannon, this is the 90s. We don't do that anymore, <laughs> right? And now, you know, both of those nieces are getting that back in the face because we have younger nieces and nephews who go, um, this is not 1994, okay? Uh, it's amazing how quickly time passes and how quickly we become outdated. Mm, happens, right? Okay, now another person, but what a great idea being a big brother, a big sister, and what a great idea to organize your own social skill group. Wouldn't have thought of that, but of course you can do that. Okay, another person who said, I try to pass on any useful information that's benefited my family to hopefully help someone else as others have done for me. That's that pay it forward thing we talk about all the time. Uh, when I think about 
what I knew about autism and if parents, other parents hadn't told me, this is what you need to know, where I would be. And you guys know if you've met me uh, at any one of the events that we go to or if we have an opportunity to talk on the phone, you guys uh, are always very sweet about saying, I don't want to take your time, but I want you to know that that's part of what my deal is, is that I need to take that time, not to the exclusion of my family. Okay. I'm not crazy, but I need to take that time because I have a bill to pay. I have to pay it forward and let people get information that either I got and got freely or that I, I didn't get and wish that I had information that wasn't available back then. So it's important for all of us to pay it forward. And honestly, the one thing that, uh, that these two people don't say is what we get out of it. The paycheck that you get out of it when you pay it forward is, I think, bigger than than what you initially got, if that's even possible. Uh, so in any case, I hope that we'll all find ways that we can give to our community um, you know, and it can be the smallest, most minute thing. And, and hopefully you guys will write in and say some more ways because it gives us all ideas about what we can do. Want to remind you that especially this week, it's really important. One of the things that we were going to be talking about with Lisa Ackerman is about the autism cares bill. It used to be the combating autism, uh, bill, and it provides more funding and uh, we only have a few more days left in this process to make this bill a reality and to make it bigger and better than it was. So I want to encourage you right now to go to TACANow.org, check out the blog, and you will see they post blogs on a regular basis, but they had a blog the other day about the Autism Cares Bill. Uh, and the title of it was something along the lines of, I'll see if I can find it, um, uh, need help now, uh, why not wait five years? It was something along the, those lines. Uh, really brilliantly written article, and it gives you phone numbers of people that you can call today. And that's something you can do for the autism community is let your voice be heard. I always think about the dad who said, I didn't find my voice until my son didn't have one. We need to speak out. We need to be letting people know what people in our community need, what we need, and and what what our kids need and what people who don't have the ability to speak out need. And who better than all of us to be a participant in that? All right, we're going to take a break and be back to close out the show. Stick with us. I'm Bryce Myler and I'm the Contracts Director for the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. I've been here for about five years. CARD has several employees with many years of insurance experience uh, dealing with insurance, dealing with pre-authorizations, dealing with discovering whether there's coverage or not. So we have more experience than any ABA provider that I've ever come across. So for, for a prospective client, somebody that may be interested in you know ABA therapy and what CARD has to offer, we have a special 800 number um, and you call that number. They will talk to you about what we have to offer, uh, how ABA works, he'll ask you for the front and back of your ID card and then we check to see if you do or do not have coverage. If you have coverage for ABA therapy, we try to do whatever we can to set it up where we can bill for you and you don't have to fight with the insurance company every month to get your claims paid. For California residents, we recently did a series of insurance trainings all over the state and you can click on the link below to watch pretty much the full presentation. It has a lot of information how you can get your insurance company to to comply with what they're supposed to do. 
uh, understanding the networks and many other um, valuable pieces of information. Welcome back to Autism Live. We were talking earlier about harassment and about bullying and what to do when a principal is harassing a student or a parent. I mentioned that there's a website that you can go to and it is eeoc.gov. It details exactly what the definition of disability discrimination is and to give you uh, just a brief rundown, disability discrimination occurs when an employer or other entity covered by the Americans with Disabilities Act, which schools are covered, uh, as amended or the Rehabilitation Act as amended treats a qualified individual with a disability who is an employer and applicant unfavorably because he or she has a disability. Um, and it goes on to detail lots of different uh, circumstances, uh, what reasonable accommodation is and reasonable accommodation and undue hardship. It defines what a disability is and um, it gives you a series of different resources that you can go through and it also has a contact us on there as well. So again, that's eeoc.gov, uh, a really good resource when you're wanting to figure out if you qualify. And again, there some people call it handicap harassment, others on here they're calling it disability discrimination. And I'm telling you, use it sparingly and use it appropriately, but well-placed at the right time, this is something that on your school setting, if you drop this term and say, you know, there is absolutely no uh, wavering. If, if they're found guilty of disability discrimination, believe me, they're going to do a whole lot of stuff to change things so that they're not found guilty of that. Um, but they cannot discriminate against our kids because they have autism that qualifies them for a disability, as a disability. And they cannot discriminate uh, against us as parents, whether it is the principal being mean to us or someone at your employer. Um, they cannot discriminate against us, it is uh, one of the things that is actionable. It's very actionable, very easy to find a lawyer if you're being discriminated against and you have reasonable evidence that it's because of a disability. It's one of the reasons why it's important to document, document, document. Um, and I think that there are people who don't even realize it when they're doing this, right? Um, but it's important for us to know what the law is and to be able to implement it where possible. So I hope that helps you in terms of dealing with this principle um, because it's not okay. Uh, all right. And again, it does have a contact us. Let me click on that and see if there is a phone number. Uh, it says there's a place for contact EEOC. There's a find your nearest office and there's also a frequently asked questions. When you uh, click on the contact, it does give you a series of phone numbers. Um, it gives you uh, lots of quick help, but um, there is even a media inquiry. Uh, lots and lots of, I'm trying to figure out which one is the best information for you. There's a place for inquiries. It's at 1-800-669-4000. Okay. Um, so that is a place, um, and if you're ready to uh, do the filing process, that is also the number. So there we have it, uh, all about bullying. We can't, uh, there can't be any tolerance for bullying, 
And there can't be any tolerance for discrimination against individuals who are on the spectrum because of their diagnosis um, and the things that affect that. All right, let's talk a little bit. We've got about four minutes left here. Let's talk a little bit about what's happening tomorrow and what's happening on Thursday. So uh, tomorrow, Dr. Doreen Grampache is going to be here with us, and she's going to be answering your questions live on the show. We hope that you'll take the opportunity tonight to be writing in some questions for us and then writing in during the live show and stay tuned to see when she answers your questions. She's an amazing expert in the field of autism. It is a luscious opportunity to be able to talk with someone. Of course, we always say on the show, no one can give child-specific advice, but having said that, there are so many things that she talks about that are so enlightening that you go, oh my gosh, I never thought about it that way. It just makes more sense. Uh, and it gives you more ideas of what to do next. So that's a, a really important thing to be able to do from a true visionary in the field of autism. So that's the first hour of tomorrow. Then in the second hour for Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy, Nancy Allspot Jackson will be here with me. And our special guest tomorrow is a beautiful singer. Sophie Rose is going to be with us tomorrow. She's getting ready to perform at Denim and Diamonds, which is a huge fundraiser that Autism Care and Treatment always has in the fall, star-studded. It will be honoring uh, the the Peets, Holly Robinson Pete and her wonderful husband, uh, Rodney Pete. Um, they, they will be uh, special honorees at this year's Denim and Diamonds, and Sophie Rose will be singing. So she's going to be talking about making a difference, being an advocate, even when you're not on the spectrum, things that you can be doing to be giving back to the autism community and why it's important to her. We're looking forward to that. And also tomorrow, uh, Nancy and I are going to uh, be sharing with you, and i got to remember, Emily, you got to remind me, we have to get you some pictures of uh, Nancy's son, Wyatt, has been participating in the Miracle Project's most recent production uh, called Joining the Spectrum. We had Coach e, Elena Hall with us a couple of weeks ago as they were starting the project and my husband and my son and I went on Friday and oh, do I need to cavell about it. It was it was life-changing, you guys. I, I don't know what else to say except that it was amazing and why it was truly remarkable in the show but there were so many kids in it it was so enlightening about what can happen and what can be done and I just have even more praise and respect for Kochi for the and her team because I know she would say I don't do this alone uh, but we're gonna be talking about that and show you some pictures of Wyatt in the show and Jem went to see the show too and there's even a picture of Jem and Wyatt after the show hanging out for just being cool dudes afterwards uh, really really amazing can't wait to talk with Nancy about that and sort of recap that for you. And then we've got some in the news stories for you as well. So that's tomorrow. And then on Thursday, we've got a very special guest who's going to be joining us. There's uh, a site out there that you probably are seeing a lot of on Facebook and different places. It's called the Autism Site. And oh my goodness, quite a resource. Really uh, remarkable. It comes to us from the Good News Network. And we have a representative from the Good News Network who's going to be with us on Thursday talking about what what it is that they're trying to do. You're going to want to know more about the autism site and about some of the other sites because, you know, frequently we have autism in the family, but we have other things going on as well. And they're doing a really good job of providing great information. And they've, they've got an incredible store, too. There's a jacket. Oh, you just wouldn't even believe it. Check it out at the autism site. There's a jacket that just takes, takes my breath away every time I see it. Anyway, uh, so we're going to have them on Thursday. And then I believe we're having Dr. Jonathan Tarbox joining us again on Thursday. Can't wait to have him answer some 
some of your questions uh, and talk a little bit about some research things going on. So that's our week. Uh, and we've got another big, exciting week coming up next week as well. So all of that, never so much more. We hope that you guys will participate with us. Want to give you a quick uh, message that I'm trying to get better at Twitter, trying to connect with more of you on Twitter. Hope that you will uh, take the opportunity if you're not already uh, be following us and we'll follow you on Twitter. So join us on Twitter and please sign up for our free newsletter. We've got some exciting, exciting things coming up. It's not much longer now before I, I unveil what that will be. We're really out of time. But again, don't forget tomorrow, ask Dr. Doreen, be sending your questions in uh, as soon as possible. I always put the first few questions together the night before. So uh, send us in questions if you really you have a burning desire to have something answered. Uh, this afternoon is the time to do it. I also want to give a shout out to my husband. Today is our wedding anniversary. We've been married 12 years this evening. We had a night wedding and we have plans tonight to celebrate with our son because our son always says this is our anniversary. So happy anniversary to my boys who I love very much. We're going to be back tomorrow until then please give your kiddos a hug from me. Bye-bye for now.